I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And for our intents and purposes here in the cold, it is the Storyteller's Church, where we talk about all things story in all of its incarnations. And um, this week, I, you know, I I want to talk about um, what influences how we tell a story, because I was thinking about how um, a shift in my taste in music some years ago uh, influence the way I tell a story, influence the way I build a character, and um, the various traits I give that character. Um, I haven't always been a diehard country music fan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I am now, obviously, uh, having said that. But, I, you know, I grew up in Chicago, and subsequently I moved to other cities like Prague and San Francisco and St. Louis, and I... I was raised on a steady diet of screaming guitars, blues, a smattering of jazz, and the occasional hipster band. Now don't get me wrong, I still love all of those, and they've been the soundtrack to some of the best times in my life. And when a song like Jane's Addictions, you know, Been Caught Stealing comes on um, in my car or something, you know, I just go off like a firecracker, pounding my hands on the steering wheel and frightening my children. It really wasn't until I was about in my early 30s, um, and I actually moved to a rural area, that country music made its way onto my radar. Then, like the wrong kind of man, wormed its way into my heart. <laughs> A couple of years later, I woke up to find that Honky Tonk had pretty much taken over my iPod, um, leaving The Clash and Bowie, countless British New Wave fans, and even Madonna lonely for play. The rockabilly songs of the Stray Cats got to stay in the fold, however. I love the Stray Cats. Um, now, I have to admit <laughs> that a lot of my city slicker friends have found my new taste in music questionable. Some have openly wondered if my move to central Virginia didn't coincide with a minor head injury. For instance, a city slicker friend might say something like, you know, well, you actually like John Denver. I mean, like, you really like him. You don't listen ironically. And to that, I say, no. Nope. Nope, I think he's one of the great songwriters of the 20th century, and I'm deadly serious here. And to that, my city slicker friend would usually just say, um, uh, oh, <laughs> look, maybe this seems strange to some of you listening, but you have to understand, country music just ain't on the playlist in Yankee cities, at least not in America. And sure, a city dweller might enjoy cool country stars that have had Hollywood movies made about their lives, Singer-songwriters like Johnny Cash or Loretta Lynn come to mind. But for the most part, country music to a city person runs neck and neck with elevator music and polkas when it comes to their listening pleasure. And I used to be right there with them. It took changing my habitat dramatically 
to inspire me to learn an entirely new repertoire of songs that have little to no relationship with the good old days of my teens and 20s. I slowed down. I started working out of my home office and found myself noticing how the breeze would blow through so many leaves on a summer evening that I'd swear I was listening to wind chimes. Without even meaning to, I got to know, intimately, the movement of sunlight throughout the day and the phases of the moon. I learned I can't sleep when the moon is full, so I might as well put on something soft. Maybe Willie Nelson. It was finally seeing what a holler really looked like and hearing the truly terrifying shriek of a fox's mating call. Driving on roads called 22 Curves, and for good reason, drinking whiskey in a rocker on my front porch, and yes, we really do that now, or hearing my daughter say that her dream car is a pickup truck. And no, I'm not kidding here. Still, all of those genteel country living experiences led me to water, but they didn't make me drink. What did was my congenital love of a great story. Because in country music, I have found some of the best lyrical storytelling I've ever heard. And it was not confined to the usual trilogy of sex, drugs, and teen angst. That makes for great music, too, but it does get a bit repetitive and, frankly, loses its oomph after you've had a kid or two. Even some of the schlockiest country tunes tend to have very adult themes that present a complicated set of circumstances, much like a good book. A country singer will warn you not to go home a drinking with lovin' on your mind. Tell you to stand by your man. Lament that if their phone still ain't ringing, they assume it still ain't you. They teach you how to play the game of life through a game of cards. Fall into a ring of fire and go to Jackson, Mississippi looking for trouble of the extramarital variety. They sing about their daddies and their wayward loves, their friends, their problems, the mountains they grew up drinking in like moonshine. They take you this close to their face till you can smell their breath. And over the past decade, more than poetry, even more than reading fiction, country music has inspired the way I've constructed the personalities of some of my favorite fictional characters. Johnny Cash's Delia, a boy named Sue, and number 13 all colluded to help me create a bulimic Hungarian assassin with a penchant for rich food and sadistic murder and heart for only one woman. Frankie Lane's wanted man showed me how impulsivity and desire can spawn a fledgling outlaw. Dolly Parton's Touch Your Woman guided my hand in writing a heartbreaking love scene between two characters 
about to face their doom. And Garth Brooks is friends in low places about a regular guy who crashes his ex-girlfriend's wedding to a high roller always reminds me to give my characters a sense of humor, even amidst some of their most painful, cringy episodes. These artists have taught me not to waste words and to tell a compelling story in the shortest amount of time possible. Also, as not to bore a reader with competing descriptions and overwrought emotions. They've reminded me that I don't need a shootout or car chase or even a bunch of sex to put tension or excitement into a scene. And they've shown me that having heart and brazen sentimentality can illustrate a powerful truth that kicks even the most cynical reader in the gut. So, writers and readers, next time you need to boost your imaginations, or you just want to hear a great yarn, find your local country music station. I swear even big cities have one. Then sit back, put your boots up, and have a listen. You won't be sorry. And just to illustrate what I'm talking about, I want to read you a little, a short excerpt. Um, that is actually, you know, illustrates a little bit of what I'm talking about. Uh, this is from my novel, The Hungarian, and it involves Berek Skulius, who is the Hungarian assassin, the bulimic Hungarian assassin <laughs> that I was telling you about. Um, and this will just give you a little bit of an idea. I'm going out, he said as he retrieved the keys to his new Berliner from a wooden bowl by the door. He told his Aunt Zuzana he wouldn't be coming back for at least a week and would appreciate the holes in his trouser pockets being mended by then. It was a terrible inconvenience not being able to wear them, and they were his favorite pair. Forgiving in their cut and capable of retaining their shape and crispness for hours longer than the other pants he owned, they also made him look at least five kilos slimmer. Strangely, the pants meant more to him than the new Berliner, which had been a recent gift from his boss. He'd ooed and awed the way he'd been expected to, but a car was little more to him than a vehicle that got him from one place to another. Certainly, it spared him the inconvenience of having to take a bus or a train, but even at that moment, with his foot pressing the pedal to the floor and nothing but an empty, whining road ahead of him, Barracks did not feel the rush of adrenaline that consumed so many ardent drivers. There was only one thing that gave him that kind of rush. A muffled groan pierced his reverie. Quiet! he bellowed. And finally there was some peace in the car. Barracks had grown used to the incessant whining of the doomed over the years, but Leon Kuntz, his regular pilot, had begged the whole ride on the way back from Susanna's that afternoon and was now starting up again, repeating please no over and over again in various intonations, like an actor rehearsing his one big line. Although the moans were hushed by the trunk walls, 
They were beginning to wear on Barrius's already raw nerves, and he'd almost pulled over and shot the man like he had his co-pilot back at the airfield before lunch. So that was a taste of barracks. <laughs> um, it was actually a pretty mild taste of barracks. Uh, he was a pretty sadistic guy. But anyway, it gives you an idea of, of how much fun you can have just sort of being inspired by something like a song and that song being inspired by an environment, um, a rural environment. Um, and if, uh, if you are interested in the Hungarian or any of my stories, the, my, there's a link in the show notes as always. Um, and if you are enjoying the cold, please do follow and, um, and think of leaving a review for the podcast as that helps it gets noticed and tell your friends if you're enjoying it. Uh, that's, that's something that, that I would really appreciate. So thanks. And until next week, stay cold, my friends. Stay very, very cold.